Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. We give you thanks and praise, Lord, that you have indeed given us your word that we might be able to know of you. Know that eternity is not only written in the hearts of men, but what hope of eternity there is to be found in Jesus Christ. Lord, the one who became flesh, who dwelt among us, that we might be able to dwell among you for all eternity. Lord, that we have seen through Jesus the Father, full of grace and truth. We pray that you'd be here with us this morning with the help of the Holy Spirit. You would engrave this upon our hearts as we meditate on this glorious psalm. We find our home with you forever. pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Psalm 23. This is God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Please take heed how you hear. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. What do these famous artists all have in common with King David? Michael Bublé, Drake, like Sheldon, Diddy, One Direction, Janiah Twain, Bon, John, bon, bon Jovi, the Foo Fighters, Iggy Pop, Leonard Skinner, Leon Bridgers, Mariah Carey, John Denver. What do they all have in common with King David? Now you might be able to maybe connect some dots in other places. I mean, you could continue with a long list of artists. But every one of these artists paints a picture about what it is to be at home. Now home for each of these different people is a different place. But ultimately underlying this image they paint is that place of security, longevity, of warmth. But before any of these artists wrote their hit song, which went throughout uh, and played through stereos, King David wrote the 23rd Psalm. And the 23rd Psalm ends with this famous line, that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Maybe the opening line of this psalm makes this the most memorable psalm, the most popular psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. But maybe it's this last line of the psalm that makes it most comforting to those who walk in this life. That it resonates with that of the believer in this life, about the life to come. That this psalm has painted several pictures for us. 
the picture of the sheep following the good shepherd. As they sit by still waters, as they eat the green grass of the green pastures, walking on those paths of righteousness, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, paints the picture of that guest as the Lord sets the table before the guest, the gracious host, sets the table with the great assurances we find within that psalm of goodness and mercy. But the end of the psalm shows not the journey in which we wander on. shows the destination in which this journey carries us to. The destination of those who truly believe that first statement, the Lord is my shepherd, ends with this destination of the Lord is one whose house in which I dwell. The believer not only has the fields to lay in, streams to sit by, or paths to walk on. This is the destination for that pilgrim walking in this barren Land, the destination in which this pilgrim seeks to be able to live in forever. This is the end of that great pilgrimage. Where the pilgrim no longer is a pilgrim who has no house to be able to lay in, but he becomes a resident. We see in this psalm many things. And in this line we see Many things as well. The first thing that we see is David's heart for God. David's heart for God. We love the story of David. Now there's many reasons we love this story. Maybe it's a common story that we all get taught in Sunday school. Maybe it's one of the only stories that we know of in the Old Testament. How about he defeated Goliath? Maybe we relate to him on different levels. Maybe we relate to him as as a sinner in his sinful actions. Maybe we relate to him as we see him go through hard times of persecution, but yet to remain steadfast through those times. Maybe we see him win the battles because God is with him and he trusts in God. Maybe we relate to him as we read through the Psalms and we see ourselves in those Psalms and see the desperate life in which we live where we call out in our dependence upon God. In all of this, I think we see ultimately a man of faith in which we seek to be able to emulate. As he lives and walks by faith, we hope to be a man who lives and walks by faith as well. He gives hope to us that a sinner can be saved. We love to say that David is a man after God's own heart because he is. However, what does that truly mean? We read the story of of David and we look at all of his actions, all of his accomplishments. We say we would like to be like that. But behind all of this is not just his actions in which he accomplishes is this connection between his heart and his actions. So to study David and to love what David does is one thing, but to understand his heart is the thing that drives him. 
And I think you see David's heart clearly in this last line of Psalm 23. It teaches us what the man after God's own heart truly wants. David writes that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now the Hebrew, maybe more literally translated, would be translated, I shall return and dwell in the house of the Lord for the length of days. Now if this psalm is written during that time where David is fleeing from his son Absalom in the wilderness, maybe this translation would be very fitting. He has left Jerusalem, cast out of uh, his home in Jerusalem. He's wandering the wilderness, not sure what tomorrow will bring. He's running for his life. He's left the Ark of the Covenant, not to be able to go wander with him in the wilderness, but to be able to be in the tent of meeting. And then maybe he penned this and said that I shall return to the house of the Lord for the length of my days. Now this translation would be fitting if we knew the context of when this psalm was written. We do not. We think to be able to make that bold assertion would merely just be a speculation. I think both translations are valid. But I tend to lean towards the common translation as it is written, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you see David's heart beating. No matter the circumstance in which he penned this psalm, you see his heart beating for God and God alone. The David does not seek God for any earthly riches or wealth. The David's heartbeat is for the Lord. And as he begins the, the psalm, the 23rd psalm, he begins with the Lord is my shepherd. And this truth remains throughout the whole journey of the sheep in Psalm 23. David shows the highs and the lows of that journey of this believer in this life who truly says that the Lord is my shepherd. The final verse is not about a journey. It is about a destination. And David's focus is about God. He's shown the attitude of of the believer and the assurances of the believers, they follow this shepherd. His heart is steadfast towards God. David, just a few psalms later in Psalm 24, shows his heartbeat. Throughout all of his life, one thing that I have asked for, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of my days, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in His temple. If we want to truly understand the beauty of this last line of the psalm, that we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, we need to understand David's heart and have the same heartbeat that David has. Because then if we don't, we don't have a heart after God, this line merely just sounds dismally boring rather than delightfully beautiful. So behind this is David's heart. But what does he write about? The second thing that we see in this psalm is David's home with God. David's home with God. 
David explains that he will dwell in the house of the Lord. The key to all of this psalm, to be able to understand this psalm in all of its beauty, to be able to truly unpack that that phrase that I shall not want, that I will fear no evil, is found in those very first lines, the Lord is my shepherd. So too, the key to understanding the last line of this psalm is found in the Lord. The one whose house David seeks to be able to dwell. Now we all might have some idea of what heaven might be like. But more often than not, I think our view of heaven is very warped and twisted. We don't understand it from a biblical standpoint. I think it's warped and twisted for several reasons. The first is movies and images. If often we were to picture in our minds what heaven would be like, it would come not through the words of Scripture, but it would come through images or pictures that we have seen. And they can be a beautiful thing. You can watch movies where you you watch and the actor studies the the character in which they're trying to portray and they seek to be able to emulate them in in such a, a brilliant manner. Maybe if you had heard this person speak before or seen this person move before, you couldn't couldn't tell the difference. You feel like you're actually there. However, when we come to movies that depict heaven or images of, of what heaven is, I think often what we get is the closest is clouds, pearly gates. People wearing nice white bathrobes or something. Now we can understand where these ideas might come from. But often they're false images. But that's not the focus of what the Bible teaches us. Movies or images or even recent books, maybe throughout the last 30 years there's been books that have been released, become bestsellers, of times in which people feel like they have died and then gone up to heaven. They didn't die, apparently, and now they're back in earth, and they tell everybody what heaven is like. Often when you dig a bit deeper in a lot of these stories, you find out a little bit more information. But often what we do is we elevate those books without being in heaven for 30 minutes, compared to what the Bible teaches us about heaven. But again, it's not what the focus is of what heaven is like. The focus in the Bible doesn't necessarily paint us a picture which we can see. The Bible does speak of heaven, we can learn about it. It's maybe a great study to be able to do. But the main focus of the Bible about what heaven is like is not what it's going to be like. It's not what it's going to look like. The main focus of heaven from the Bible is not what or where, 
but it is centered around who? The focus on the Bible is God dwelling with His people forever. Listen to Revelation 21, verse 3. I think it explains this point very well. John writes, and he says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He shall dwell with them. And they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. Or earlier in the book, John writes in Revelation chapter 7, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The focus is not about the clouds or the pearly gates, the pictures that we come in. The focus is about who is going to be there. And at the center of heaven is God. God with man and man with God. It's not only that this is the focus of heaven in certain passages of Scripture, I would say it's not even that it's the focus of Psalm 23. But it's the the focus of the whole Bible. That God made Adam and Eve to be able to dwell in the midst of the garden as He came down to be able to dwell with them in the midst of the garden. However, as they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were cast out of God's presence. God and man were separated because of sin. A holy God with just and righteous judgment and sinful man could never dwell together forever. The rest of the story of the Bible is exactly how God comes to be able to mend what man has broken. That God makes a way for us to be able to dwell with Him forever. Now before we see how this is accomplished, I want to take a brief time to be able to ask you if you want to dwell with God forever. Most of the time when we think about heaven, we think about other things. The verse above in Revelation chapter 7 said that the people of God will be worshiping and serving God all day and night. However, that might not sound appealing to some. Most of the time when we think of heaven, we think of those who have gone before us, family or friends. We might think about the happiness we might experience. Maybe we might think of ourselves and our aching bodies. Glad to be able to see that gone. You can think of many things about heaven. However, when we think and dwell on those things, sadly, we could often think about heaven, not even contemplate God being there. But as David writes this psalm, his key is not all the things that are around 
heaven, it is who is going to be there. That he shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that has been a, a, an overarching theme throughout all of this psalm. That God's presence is that with the believer. This psalm speaks of God's presence as the shepherd leads. The gracious host who protects him from all of his enemies that surround him. Why then would we think that we only need God in this life, and then when forever and eternity comes, we don't need Him at all? The truth is that heaven is not about things, but about God. Being with God. Randy Acorn says in his book, Heaven, in heaven we will be at home with the God. With God, We love and He loves us wholeheartedly. Lovers don't bore each other. People who love God could never be bored in His presence. Charles Spurgeon put it this way, Oh, to think about heaven without Christ. It's the same thing as thinking of hell. Heaven without Christ is a day without the sun, existing without life, feasting without food, seen seen without light, and involves contradiction in terms. Heaven without Christ, absurd. The sea without water, the earth without its field, the heavens without its stars. There cannot be a heaven without Christ. He is the sum total of bliss, the fountain of which heaven flows, the element which heaven is composed. Christ is heaven and heaven is Christ. But sadly, when we think of eternity, we don't think of God as being at the center. We sadly only see God as a way to heaven rather than the journey in which we dwell to be able to be with Him forever. Sadly, we use God as a means to an end, not an end into it. David says, the one who has the Lord as his shepherd, who has that heartbeat that David has and seeks to be able to end his journey dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Thomas Brooks puts it that it is God alone who makes heaven to be heaven. Sadly, we don't ever think that way. Lastly, we see David's greater son actually making a house to be able to dwell. We see this story of the Bible that the man is separated with God and God is separated from man because of man's sin. How then is man to be able to dwell with God? And David is a great sinner. We know he to be a great sinner. How then can he dwell in God's house? But it's not through David's actions. A psalm, a psalm of faith in which David praises God and be able to lift it and finds comfort in that he can dwell in God's house forever. But God does make a way for people to be able to dwell with God. As Jesus is about to face a cross in the upper room discourse, 
Jesus explains to his disciples in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. and will take you to myself. And that is where I am. Where I am, you may also be. As Jesus goes, he speaks, and the comfort he tells of his disciples, do not be troubled. I am going, but I am going to prepare a place that I might be able to come back and take you to that place that we might be able to dwell together forever. That Christ is going to be able to prepare a place for his people, a home for his people. But then the disciples asked the question. Thomas said to him, We do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? He said, We're going to meet you there. We're going to spend eternity with you forever. We don't know even where you're going. How do we get there? How do we get to this heavenly home which we dwell with you forever? Jesus then says those famous words that I am the way, the truth. In the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That that gap between God dwelling in His holy house and man being able to enter, be able to dwell with Him forever is so vast and wide that God came down in flesh Himself and said, I am the way. You want to dwell with the Father forever, you need the Son And David, as he penned this psalm and says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a psalm of faith in which he knows that God will accomplish what he has promised to do. That in David's life, he has this desire to be able to build God a house that God might be able to dwell in. In 2 Samuel chapter 7. The king lived in his own house, but God dwelt in a tent. But then, Nathan prophet said, go, go build God a house. And he comes back and says, don't build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. It speaks of that time when he went through in Second Samuel chapter 7, Nathan speaking to David about God's house. In all these places where I moved, that's the Lord, with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people of Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be a prince over the people of Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. I've made, I will make you a great name. Now before we continue, don't you just hear the, the echoes of Psalm 23 in here, of hearing of how God has defeated all of His enemies. That He's been with Him wherever He went. 
God makes this promise that I'll appoint a place for the people of Israel and I will plant them. That they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly for the time that I have appointed judges over the, my people of Israel. And I will give you a rest from all of your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares that you, that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Continues in verse 15, but my steadfast love will not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. David writes here that he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and yet the house of the Lord has not been built yet. And the promise in 2 Samuel chapter 7 is, in fact, after you go lie down with your fathers, I will raise up an offspring after you. But yet David knows that he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That he writes this psalm of this glorious home that the offspring of David will build. And that's what we read about in John chapter 14. That Jesus Christ came down. Bridging that gap between a sinful man and a holy God. That we might be able to dwell with Him forever. God, the center of heaven. God, the center of our worship. David, the musician from 1000 B.C., knew where his home was and who was going to be there. Paul, a millennia later, wrote about the same thing. He knew exactly where his home was. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Where would you rather be right now, Paul? I'd rather be home. Home with the Lord. He wrote just before this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we were still in this tent, we groaned being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would not be further clothed. So that what is mortal may swallow up, be swallowed up by life. Who has prepared for us this very thing is God. Who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. God says that Christ has made a way that we might be able to dwell with Him forever. And I send the Spirit to be able to make a home in you for now until we dwell with God forever. This psalm speaks of this glorious journey of the sheep following the Good Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Turn back to one of the quotes I said right at the very beginning. 
Martin Luther said that practice on reading one psalm, even one little verse of the psalm, and you will progress enough if you learn to make only that one verse a day, or one, even one a week. Live and breathe it in your heart. After this beginning is made, everything else will follow. And you will have a rich treasury of understanding and affection. Live and breathe it in your heart. Live and breathe each day understanding that this is not our home. Live and breathe this understanding that we seek to be able to go dwell with God forever. Be surrounded by the people of God as we serve and worship the one true and living God. You understand the first line of this psalm. You understand all the lines that follow. You understand the last line of this psalm and you understand why be able to say at the very beginning, the Lord is my shepherd. What a glorious psalm in which we see the hope of Christ who brings us home to heaven. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O gracious and most merciful Father, we give You thanks and praise that You have indeed made a way for us to be able to dwell with You forever. We pray that we would have this hope written upon our hearts that we would live in this life knowing that this is not our home, that we are merely in tents which are going to be destroyed. Write this truth upon our hearts. Let us live each day looking and longing for heaven that we might be able to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. pray this in Jesus' precious name. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.